you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast has thoughts on Tarantino's oeuvre. (laughs) Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. My name is Dan Hansis, coming to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes across the Southland. Patrick Claybon is back with us. Love it. Mark Sessler, of course. And Colleen Wolf, the woman who told us on the Tuesday program, is in the midst of a Tarantino marathon. How's that going? It's great. I just finished Inglorious Bastards. That's always been my number one fave. It remains at the top of the list. But I'm having a hard time right now slotting the top tier Pulp and Kill Bill because I loved Kill Bill so much on the second watch. And I actually like two better than one, but it's like, do I like them enough to if I think if it's if Kill Bill one and two are being considered one movie like Tarantino likes to go by, then I think I'll put it over Pulp Fiction. But if we're breaking it up into individual Kill Bills, then I would have to go Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill two, Kill Bill one. Wow, so. was that a prepared answer? I feel like you were no. no I'm just like in there. really deep right now in this Tarantino <laughs> thought. I'm surprised by that. I, that you would me have, too. Um, I'm also I surprised just, by it. Yeah, well, we, we've been asked even because we're doing a, something later today. We're answering some questions, but someone asked that Tarantino question over and over, and I it's like it's kind of your top five, and Kill Bill is never either one of them are never in my. They never break my top five. What? Oh yeah, but, but also it's like that sounds like we're like like we're slashing the, the film. It's it's just that there's five I like better. Yeah, and I think and maybe like Colleen's experiencing this when you go back and watch and you kind of detach everything from the context of when you watched it, you kind of get a new perspective because like everything's always yeah. changing and, and there's always little things that jump out to you more. It's good. That's why rewatches are important. Pulp Fiction will always be my number one. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is very securely in my number two. Okay. Uh, I adore that movie. Um, and then number three, it really is a rotation for me. And I, I don't know where I am right now. Maybe it's Kill Bill. Maybe it's Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Je- you know, Jackie Brown, Mark, we talk about a lot. That sneaks in sometimes and gets the bronze medal. It's it's so Jackie underrated. Brown is, Jackie Brown is my number three. And like I, I think it's like his most underrated um, movie of all. I really do. Um, all right. This is Around the NFL. A study of the complete works of Quentin Tarantino. Uh, well, maybe one day. Not today's show. Today we got a lot to get to. It's mailbag day. I like this. This is going to be fun. I like this uh, quadrant. Greg still in mother-in-law, Japan, enjoying his vacation, trying not to bother him too much. Enjoy, Greg. I hope you're one with the culture over there and, and, and everyone's having a good time. Here we have this a great uh, Sessler, Wolf, Claybon Hansis quadrant, which I don't know how many of these we've had. So uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, the mailbag is full, and sometimes, and I'm very, I'm very honest, um, Patrick, with the audience uh, when they fail the mailbag prompt. Um, sometimes they just don't. You, you get too many of those, like, oh, what would you rather, you know, defeat or go up against a, a giant 
duck or 7,000 mini ducks. And it's like, shut up. <laughs> giant stop. duck, easy. Just stop. Kind of a great question. It's, it's, it's giant I duck. I kind of like it. <laughs> oh, if you were on a <laughs> desert island, which okay, yeah. one of the heroes would be? Just stop it. You the always giant bring duck. that one up. And I, I think that people have stopped sending that particular question. <laughs> Someone did, actually. This, but this I week, I thought the listeners killed it. And we all kind of put our hand in there and, and are choosing some uh, questions. And we're going to go around about. It's going to be good, Patrick. I like it. I'm, I'm excited. This is my actual first mailbag episode. <gasps> I've always missed the mailbag oh episode. So like, this is, this is I, it for me. And you know We've what? Patrick, you're a man. Uh, with many interesting takes and you, 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 in terms of like the things that you enjoy talking about, it's a vast swath. It's not just football. I feel like this is a perfect exercise for the man they call Claybon. How far are you, but you're inside NFL Network Studios right now. How, how close are you to the giant photo of Russell Wilson across a giant wall with his hand, his, like his hands clasped together, staring at the camera and integrity uh, splashed across him? I always know exactly where I am in relation to that picture because integrity is important to me. I am 350 feet. Uh, I think 72 steps, depending if I have to dodge somebody. Uh, and I, if you need me during this pod to take a picture of integrity and tweet it and just say integrity, I will do that. You should definitely tweet it to Dan because he thought it said dignity. <laughs> Which, Which is now only, it will be the dignity room. Honestly, it's only slightly less ridiculous. <laughs> Well, I feel like there's a lot of art around our building. We're like, had, had this, you know, they, they, they decorated it this summer and Russell Wilson had fallen off a cliff. They're probably picking a different player for that image. They've got a, um, Odell Beckham that they repainted from a Browns uniform to now a Rams, um, but they've not made him a Baltimore Raven at this point. So I don't know. We're tracking that one closely. It would be cool if there was like kind of next to, because it's not just Russell Wilson, it's different NFL figures and then, you know, uh, one of the, what was those, those um, at the old malls, they would have the posters that were motivational posters. Um, it's kind of like that. It's it's very serious photos of various figures in the NFL and then a word uh, that I guess we're supposed to stand for. I would like if it was just a very serious shot of uh, us all the around the NFL gang and then just like bozos across. It's a mock art. My my favorite, because downstairs, right, on the newsroom floor, the second floor, there's 300 feet of stylized pictures of NFL legends that run the full style gamut. There's, like, Jerry Rice in a, in a robe and a crown. And then there's a random picture of Brett Favre, but it's not Brett Favre. It's, like, a weird-looking cartoon that has nothing to do with the entire rest of the wall. I Somebody put in a lot of work, but it's... <laughs> I, I don't, it's not I like don't an Easter it. egg of some sort. This was like a purposeful thing. I have no idea. I, it it's look, it looks like a like the Dilbert drawing of Brett Favre, <laughs> mashed up with all of this hyper realistic artwork. And Patrick, somebody did that. Bort Favre. You've artist. gone too far, Patrick. Someone did that and put I, all their effort into their art. There's a lot of art that that I don't necessarily get. Shout out to them. They've got more talent than me. I, I draw a <laughs> stick figure, but I think it's appropriate because Brett Favre is a cartoon. You got to show us this. Let's uh, get to the it. news. At eight, we believe in truth and authenticity. Our company is proudly based right here in Texas, and all of our beer is brewed right here in the good old USA. So I've got to call it like it is. There are a lot of beer brands out okay. there that are trying to cash in on this holiday by slapping an American flag on their package, regardless oh of whether God. or not they are truly American. <laughs> Joy Aikman not just jumping into the 
Beer Wars uh, with his new uh, Lager 8. Also, the Culture Wars, apparently, Mr. Claybon, uh, because it's not... It's as it, I wouldn't say it is uh, vague uh, what he's going for here. If you're a real man, if you're a real American, and you don't go for all that other junk, drink my Texan beer. He should have had a troop come stand on it so it could literally support the troop, and then like oh, it would be, be the amazing. most troop-supporting troop beer ever. I love that. An and a flyover man. would be good, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just Let's real get loud. to the news. Oh, my God. Um... I, by the way, seek that out and watch the entire video because he, in case that wasn't on the nose enough, he, he goes in a little harder uh, at a certain point and it ends it with a big old swig of eight. Bad news, everybody. We got more gambling stuff to talk about. It just came down uh, before we started taping. Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry of the Indianapolis Colts. And free agent Demetrius Taylor are being suspended indefinitely through at least the 2023 season for betting on NFL games this season. Also, because we had heard Rodgers was facing a, a big ban, and there it is. Titans offensive tackle Nicholas Petit Freer, who was a starter all throughout last season, is being suspended six games for betting on sports at the workplace. Uh, we have a slight update here that the Colts uh, very quickly. Uh, move to release uh, the players involved in this, uh, Rodgers and Barry, and on the side of uh, Petit Freer, uh, in a statement to ESPN's Adam Schefter, uh, he said, the betting I engaged in was not NFL-related and was legal under Tennessee law. It is only because it is only being sanctioned because it occurred at the Titans facility. He went on to apologize, so he got got as well. Um, Patrick, this continues uh, to reverberate across the league, and at some point, perhaps uh, this will you'll, we'll stop seeing this, or perhaps we won't. Perhaps this is just a part of the new reality of the NFL now that gambling is part of what the league does. Yeah, eventually, I think uh, through discussion of this, I think more people will become updated on the policy. I, I don't know what the policies and what the forms look like for them. I know we go through extensive training to the point where if somebody even mentions it, I'm like, hey, I'm, if I'm not on a show that's specifically referencing it, I'm, I'm not talking about this because they'll come down. And if they, if they come down on these guys, they'll come down on anybody. So hopefully everybody gets it because this, like, guy's getting released. That's, I hate it. Yeah, I don't even like walking past a sports book in a casino because I feel like someone knows that I'm there and I'm just like in the vicinity of one because I'm in an actual building that houses gambling. Like it is very, very, I think the the policy is obviously tough to understand because these players keep getting in trouble and the wrinkle of them being in the facility but placing a legal bet under the terms of the agreement like that is that's that's a tough sitch for him and also for for Nicholas he was the only returning starter on that offensive line so that's kind of a blow for a line that's already trying to find its footing for next season oh there was interesting that Petit Freer said that you know even though he attended the league presentation on the gambling policies um as we have that he was unaware of his specific because he got six games the others are indefinite um, they saw that case differently. Uh, it's, it's, it's Thursday turning into Friday, and we're heading to a July 4th weekend. I feel like I would, I would, I would gamble that there will be more of these. Don't, no, no, um, no, no, no. Don't. Don't. I will, I will suggest. Don't do it there. Or, yeah, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Will, Don't do I it at work. 
I will, how about this? I will predict that there will be more of these, not only during our show potentially, but over the next uh, 24 hours as they try to like have this occur to raise awareness, but then have it go away during the July 4th weekend because it's not what the league likes to uh, have us talking about. In other news, as I quickly move away from it, uh, the Patriots and wide receiver Devontae Parker are doing business together. First reported by NFL Network, Parker, who is entering the final year of his contract this season, has agreed to a new deal through 2025. As part of that three-year contract, he could earn up to $33 million if he achieves every per-game uh, per roster bonus and hits all playing time and performance incentives. That includes all pro honors, according to a source uh, via ESPN. Uh, yeah, so again, it's with these contracts, read closely because – that $33 million, he ain't seen that $33 million in case, unless something really special happens here. He's entering his ninth year. Parker, he totaled 31 catches for 539, 539 yards and three touchdowns last season. So, Mark, it didn't blow the doors off the joint. They met with the DeAndre Hopkins. It seems like they need another guy, but they must like Parker enough to potentially keep him around longer. Yeah, he missed games last year. I mean, he's never, you know, been a total whirlwind, but they only had outside of Juju Smith Schuster, they had no other veterans signed beyond this season. So I think that played a part of it. I don't think it has anything to do with DeAndre Hopkins at all, or it doesn't slow down their pursuit of him. It opens up a little bit of cap space, but uh, just hearing sort of some of the people that are close to New England, uh, the the pursuit of DeAndre Hopkins continues. Yeah, they I get mean, it done. He's... What what are we doing? Just if you you met with him two weeks ago now. He's still out there. If you want him, go get him at a certain point. I think point. he's waiting to see if someone else, you know, in time due to calamity or whatever, wants him more. Sure. That's fair. I mean, obviously, the, the Patriots think that Parker is going to be more consistent than he was last season, I would think. But maybe I'm like really interested to see what happens with Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, like how this whole relationship and how this offense looks different from last year since it, since it was so disastrous. Devontae Parker had one big season. It was 2019 with the Dolphins, 72 catches, 1,200 yards, nine touchdowns. He has been a, you know, almost like a textbook definition, at least statistically, replacement-level player all other seasons. So, Claybon, this story, this doesn't do much for me, just like most of the offense of New England as it's currently constituted does not do much for me. That's my take. Yeah, you, you have to kind of the, the Matt Patricia era New England Patriots offense, you almost kind of just got to throw it out and say, like, this is this is a new start. Um, clearly, like, we know that there's a relationship. There's so many common pieces between Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones that there's there's place to believe that, that it can work. But again, like, as you mentioned, Dan, it's a around $10 million, like, ultimately, like, that's guaranteed to Devontae Parker. Like it's a six million dollar cap hit. People reacting to thirty three. It's like, oh my god! Like <laughs> this is it, it. It's it's not enough to change the Nuke situation. And I I honestly think like considering the teams that Nuke has played for and the errors that he did, that he does want. Like it's not just lip service. Like I want to go to a franchise that has consistency and there's a clear idea for what they want to accomplish. And that that might be the Patriots. So it just might take him waiting to figure that out. Um, in other Patriots news, uh, tragic news, former uh, backup quarterback Ryan Mallett, who had a seven-year career in the NFL after starring at Arkansas in college, died Tuesday in an apparent drowning at a Florida beach. Uh, he was 35 years old. Uh, it was an incident where first responders were called to this beach in Destin, Florida, as a group of people swimming in the Gulf of Mexico near a sandbar 
according to the report, struggled to make it to shore. One of those individuals was Mallet, not breathing, pulled out of the water, and they were not able to revive him. Terrible, terrible story. Um, he was once upon a time the third-round pick of the Patriots, brought in as a, a backup behind Brady. Uh, never saw a lot of time with the Patriots because Brady never came off the field. In a statement Tuesday, Belichick said that he was extremely saddened by Ryan's tragic passing. Uh, and Tom Brady on social media wrote, we lost a great man. Thank you for everything, Ryan. Uh, unbelievable and very sad, Mark Sessler. I mean, you know, like just an awful, awful situation. It stopped me in my tracks when I, when I read it because you didn't know what the cause was out of the gate. Um, he was a football coach currently. Uh, you know, Mallet is, we're at, we've done this show long enough where these players, not just the stars, but these guys that came in with a little bit of hype uh, in the league and showed a little bit of promise. We're part of our show. And I, I just remember like having um, an era a year or two where I was pounding the table for Cleveland to make Ryan Mallett their starting quarterback. You had like and, an like, impassioned speech about that, right? Yes. About, uh, yeah, yeah. On our show. And it's not, you know, we, th yeah. th that's not, we don't need to go down that wormhole too deep today, but like um, there were things to, as a player that there, that his arm strength and some of his fire, like I, just appealed to me, but um, you know, essentially a backup that became a coach. And like you find when you hear like his age, it's just like, whoa, uh, it's just striking to me. So it's a terrible story. And uh, it's just one of the worst moments of the offseason. Oh, it like makes my chest tight right now, even thinking about it. But it's like 35 years old drowning. That's so unbelievably tragic. Drowning is like that's my biggest fear in the entire world. It's so, so sad that this happened. And there's just so many. Um, the rip currents right now in Florida, you can, I mean, it's all over the news. There's a ton of people that are getting taken under by them. And it's just like scary. You guys got to watch out out there during the summer, especially when storms yeah. are coming in. Do not mess with the ocean. It, yeah. it, and that's like the big takeaway. Uh, it was a yellow flag day, but the, the, the flags don't necessarily dictate what the individual currents can do. And mm -hmm. if mother nature wants you, uh, it can have, it, people just need to be safe. The, the sad thing, of course, like it's it's a clear tragedy, but Ryan had gone through so much. Uh, he had struggled with issues uh, through his career, and he he finally found a place right where he was he was mentoring and, and leading children. Uh, and to have this happen uh, at this point, it's just horrible. I, I hope everybody pays attention and um, you know looks out for each other when they're you know enjoying the water. Well said, Patrick. In other news, uh, uh, an, another uh, well near tragedy involving free agent running back Leonard Fournette, who escaped injury after his car caught on fire as he was driving it. Oh my God! Uh, he posted Fournette on his Instagram account Tuesday, showing his SUV just all sorts of torn up. Uh, it's unclear uh, what caused it. Uh, Fournette said, man, it was one of those days today, but I would like to thank God my car caught on fire while I was driving, but I am still blessed. Fournette was released by the Bucks in March. Um, playoff Lenny, of course. Uh, we'll see if he catches on anywhere. Not a, not a great time to be a running back, certainly a veteran, closing on 30, but hey, man, he's still alive, and that's a good thing. I'll tell you, like, uh, this brought up a weird memory for me, um, and I'm, you know, obviously glad that the, the the just the car went down and no one else. But um, in in like 1992, when I was a freshman in college, um, I, I was a Browns fan going to Miami of Ohio, and so that's down near Cincinnati. So a couple of us like decided to drive up in a a Chevy Nova that this girl had borrowed from her best friend. Um, uh oh. And he's like, "This is my prized Chevy Nova. Like, yeah, oh, you can drive no. it, but I don't want an else driving it." And so we there, you know, we go from Cincinnati to Cleveland on this highway. 
Um, and about, you know, two hours into the trip, my friend and I in the back seat noticed like dark plumes of smoke um, behind us where you couldn't see any cars behind you. And so we thought, well, it's probably a good idea to pull over. So we, you know, we pull over and we all get out. And then suddenly like um, this mechanic guy in a truck came by and popped our hood and the hood exploded with like green swirling liquid. So I just like, we're like, I think it's time to get our school bags and our other bags out of this car. And then 10 minutes later, it was, um, it exploded in general, burning along the highway and burnt to the ground. And so when I saw the pictures, if you go look at the pictures of what happened to his car, that's what, that's, I've seen that before. And it's just like, it's incredible when a car decides to implode and vanish from the earth, um, how quickly that happens. What? This what? I can't believe I've never heard this story before. Mark's got Is, a bunch. Was was the mechanic okay who opened the hood after well, no, when all, it exploded? It, yeah, there was a, a very steep hillside. So we all quickly climbed up the hillside and like they put flares up so cars wouldn't come. But then we had to take a, uh, not an ambulance because we were fine, but it was a, like a slow moving ambulance to a rest stop. And she had to call her friend and tell him like, yeah, like, um, I just want to, I don't know how to tell you this. I was driving, but the car is burned to the ground on the highway between these two cities. So it was a strange, um, and then the Browns um, were shut out, I think 12 nothing by the oh Broncos. It was like their first shutout in 30 years. So it's just like a disaster. Well, there's the real tragedy. Weekend. Yeah, right? that's, yes. yeah. When are you Did writing you your biography? moving ambulance? <laughs> well, it wasn't, like, we weren't being rushed anywhere because we were. It was were... actually going below the speed limit. It was almost like the <laughs> the ambulance driver was making a point that he didn't feel like he needed to be yeah. doing this. Yeah, I think that you could argue that was. These rowdy time. teens mm. ruining my Tuesday. Well, glad you're okay. Sunday. All right, Mark. Well, uh, good for you. Um, great that you're still around. Finally <laughs> in the news, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, did you know, you might not know, that when he was playing tight end for the University of Cincinnati. He tested positive for marijuana, suspended that entire huh. campaign. And uh, the views and laws around marijuana have changed considerably in the 13 years since that incident. Um, players are pretty open, uh, past players especially, about their use of marijuana during their careers. And Kelsey told Vanity Fair that around 50% to 80% of NFL players use cannabis and that under the more lenient policy that the NFL put into place in 2021, which Josh Gordon was like, yo, bro, why did that not come in like five years earlier? Uh, it's easy for players to use weed in the offseason and stop before testing begins. Here's the quote from Kelsey. And then uh, for some reason, I'm choosing to cue up Colleen. If you stop in the middle of July, you're fine. A lot of guys stop a week before and they still pass because everybody's working out in the heat and sweating their tail off. Nobody's really getting hit for it anymore. Hey, hey, 420, bro. <laughs> yeah, you should have had uh, Greg here tee him up first. But if this is, if you can walk into a store, uh, like essentially a bodega in California and many other states and just buy cannabis, anyone off of the street, it doesn't make any sense to me that this is a problem in the NFL when these guys are going through what they are, putting their bodies physically through so much trauma every single week and then they're not allowed to use something that your neighbor can use no problem it's just doesn't really add up i think it should be changed and he talked i feel about like how, i'm like, really he, high That's, yeah, i don't know what that feels like but i can guess oh oh really because i feel like the estimate would be that 50 to 100 percent of the staff of this show including um everyone on screen has experimented with this substance but that's fine 
I'll leave it right there. Years past, years ago. I, I think like my question would just be, with regards to any particular substance, why are we testing for it? Uh, that would be that would be my question to the league. Like, is is it testing to ensure player safety, or is it some sort of respectability play? And and like, if so, who is it a respectability play to? Uh, because this is a product that's legal and and utilized in most places. And so, like, who are we trying? What's the effort? That, that's what, that's all I want to know. Is who is it for? What's it What's it trying to do? For who? For what? Yeah. Makes me paranoid. Don't like it. Some people love it. <laughs> that's always been true of you, Dan. Like, give Daddy a Tito's and let's fly somewhere else. You know. Also, you have Aaron <laughs> Rodgers talking about psychedelics and how that should be decriminalized. And of course, he is such a strong figure in this league. So I feel like the more people talk about it, the less the stigma will be. Do you remember the days though? Did you ever go through this when like um, one time I got a, like a summer job where I found out and I, as a youth, I did not do a lot of um, uh, smoking of tree on any level. I just did not, but I got <laughs> caught at a party doing it once. Okay. And then like had like two days later found out that I had to take a drug test for this like nominal job, which I needed. And so you do the thing where like all my friends like drink like a gigantic jar of pickle juice. Oh. And so I spent like an entire day drinking like not, you know, you take the pickles out and you just drink this giant jar of pickle juice, totally passed. If you no would have just run around wow. the high school track four times, like done four <laughs> laps, it probably would have done the same thing. But maybe pickle juice is a better not option bad. ultimately. When I was not in high school, sweaty. my parents, um, my mom washed a bag of uh, weed and then brought it over to me and said, is... <laughs> Is this one of Mary's herbs? Mary's my sister. Is this? It was in the. It was in the laundry, and I was like, "Yes, actually, it is. Thank you very much." Little oregano. One of Mary's herbs. I, I thought. I thought Mary's herbs was a euphemism. Nope. <laughs> exactly. Nope. My sister Mary. Is this her herbs? Mary's herbs sounds like an alternative rock band playing on K Rock in 1996. Um, 20, all right, bro. let's take a break. Ow. And we'll hit the mailbag. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you all right, we're back. Um, as listeners of the show know, by the way, before we get to the mailbag, uh, I unveiled the 2023 NFL Superstar Club on the previous episode of Around the NFL. As always, creates a lot of debate. Uh, not everyone's going to be happy about it, and certainly a lot of people in my mentions were not. Um, there's another person, Mark, who wasn't thrilled. Uh, it happens to be someone that's connected to the Quentin Tarantino film universe, um, the actor Christopher Walken. Uh, On this who, show. Who we know, Mark, um, has a, a connection to the NFL that a lot of other people aren't aware of. Yeah, uh, you know, we discovered, you, you get to know certain people like by doing the show, and some of them are surprising, but um, that Christopher Walken is a, an entrenched uh, New York Giants fan. And like, you don't hear, he doesn't, you don't hear that publicly, but... Um, like a rabid Giants fan. So I, I'm excited to hear what he had to say. Well, don't speak too soon because uh, we're both, you know, I think everybody in the room here, big fans of Walken's work, but yes. he wasn't a big fan 
of the latest Superstar Club. Let's uh, listen in uh, according to um, our feedback system. This is NFL Network's Andrew Siciliano. You have reached the Around the NFL listener feedback service. Please leave a message after the tone. My ears, do they deceive me? I am listening to Around the NFL, a program for which I have always had the utmost respect. And pow! I'm flawed by the revelation. Saquon Barkley. Saquon's himself. Running back for my beloved Warriors from East Rutherford, New Jersey, has been snubbed by the Superstar Club. This is nothing less than a total travesty. Anyone who is a fan of my long-running Big Blue Fan Podcast, Walking with Giants, will surely understand my disappointment, my righteous anger over this heinous omission by the Academy. How could they be so misguided? So... Obtuse. My heart aches for Saquon and his entire family, and I'll be damn sure the powers that be are made aware of my fury. Walking out. Oh, oh, yeah. His weapon of choice is threats. What is I that? that? Are Thank we in that. trouble? Are we? Should we be watching our six? What's going on now? We're I don't know. We're walking on broken glass. Yeah, the uh, the next episode of Walking with Giants probably is going to be a lot of hissing, I think, there, Mark. Uh, and it, You don't want to be in the line of fire of a walk-in, a legendary figure in Hollywood. Yeah, I think people are seeing the, the passion for beyond the acting, beyond the thespian realms um, for Big Blue. But I, I, I hope he listened to the show closely enough because he's, he's got to be – his issue has to be with you, Dan. You left Saquon out. He was in my – in my group. And I mean, you know, if anything, I hope that Christopher Walken can parse the, the difference there. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Mark on that. Yeah, I didn't. I, I don't. It didn't sound like based on what I was hearing that he was differentiating anything like it. Was well, that's a, uh... that's absurd to me because that <laughs> yeah. relationship mattered. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's a little sobering right there, to be yeah. quite honest with you. Uh, but we are going to soldier on here. Uh, and open up the mailbag, which, like I said, sometimes the listeners, they really blow it and, and they quite frankly, disappoint me. Like, how Christopher Walken, Hollywood legend, is disappointed by the, the Superstar Club. That's how I feel sometimes when I open up the mailbag and I just see garbage. Like, Dan you know, in full just, dad mode. Yeah, just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm disappointed, son. Um, now take out the garbage. Uh, I now will say I'm proud of the listeners for what they've done. Great questions. We're going to take turns. We all uh, grab some. Uh, in fact, you know what, Connie, get us going with the first question. How about that? Okay, great. So let's start. You know, I love this one. It was, I saw it last night and I immediately started writing all sorts of notes down because it kind of goes perfectly with the show. And I want to make sure I have, uh, the guy's name who sent it in because he wanted to know about our favorite ATN memories and that he, um, has been a longtime listener of the show. And so he wants the top moments. Isaiah Cox was wondering. Um, some that come to mind are Wes's hat, win Wes's toaster with Damashek, the interview with Tony Romo. So we wanted to know <laughs> our favorite or most memorable moments. And he's been a listener since middle school, just graduated college. So he's grown up with us. Uh, well, if he, he, what? He started in middle school, now he graduated college. What does that mean for us, Sessler? 
I mean, we're about five years away from exiting the planet, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, in all honesty, that's incredible. That That is such a cool thing to look at it from that perspective. Uh, I kind of look at things with favorite memories. Obviously, Wes being around always is the, are the best memories. So I, I and I think about specifically, um, you know, the beginning of our podcast where we started to really feel like we were gaining some traction and um, those those days where, you know, we would be hanging out together after shows and, you know, you kind of felt like we were doing something that maybe not everyone was paying attention to, uh, but we knew the show was growing and the audience was growing and it was like four buddies doing it together. Um, so that's not a specific memory, but that's kind of when I think about what makes me happiest about this show. And maybe the West specific memory is after he beat cancer, the first time and we um, we did our live show together and uh, everything in the world was in its right place to quote Tom York. That would be my favorite uh, memory being on stage and coming and coming off stage and Mark and before we went on and, and being huddled up together and like just taking in the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think you encapsulated so much of of how I feel because I can't come up with a with a top, but there were errors to our show and that era where like when you weren't on the air doing a show, you were out hanging out together. There was a lot of, you know, we were younger. There weren't, there weren't as many kids in the picture. Um, it, it was a different time. And I think that our friendships were let, that made the show what it is. Like we're very much alive. Like when we were outside the building, but I will tell you like our London trips were incredible. But one thing that really showed me that I was thinking about the way that our show runs, um, when we're not on the air was that we went to sky sports once, um, and they separated us into two groups. Uh, Greg and Wes were put on a little <laughs> vehicle with like a, a bunch of softball questions about fantasy football on a nice couch, and they had like or glasses of orange juice. Um, it was like a young, beautiful woman that was interviewing yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, like a, a rising star, and it was just this casual, beautiful, flowing conversation. Then they put Dan and I onto Sky News. Um, well, they put us we in were... a freight elevator, Mark, and yeah. sent us down <laughs> to the terrible. newsroom. But, but then the questions were like, it was before the season, but um, they were, it was like the easiest question was a 20 second like hot like a fireball about Colin Kaepernick and like Dan and I thought we we're just getting some who might win the NFC East and like both of us were also being rushed because this, we were like the last part of the segment and so while we were answering these questions the woman off screen the, the anchor was looking at us being like go 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 so Dan and I just like left like having lost five or six pounds due to sweat and then I remember so going back up to the the main air the staging area and seeing like Greg and Wes laughing it up with this beautiful woman. And meanwhile, Mark and I were just getting like grilled on live television in London about race relations in America. And it was like, get, we got to get out of here. It, it makes me think of the conceit of the fantasy corner where it, it, everything is all great. And then Mark yeah. is, is, is on there dodging helicopters and bullets. And I'm glad that you were there with him. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, that's a great one. Mark, you're up next. Wait, 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 real oh. quick. I just want to oh. throw out a couple oh, of my sorry. answers yeah, to ahead. the question because one of my favorites was when Wes ate his softball pants. Mm -hmm. That that whole situation, the lead up to it was so funny. Um, <laughs> I still don't understand how it even happened. And there were zippers, right? Like somehow zipper, and he didn't eat the yep. zippers, obviously, but uh, tough to navigate. Yeah. Right. The um, first Pridecast after COVID, 
when we all got together and we uh, all actually like did the show again in each other's presence and it was at the bar and a helicopter landed next to us in the middle of right. the show and <laughs> Ricky was with us that was Yes nice my dad was there he was talking about UFOs it was the kickoff to Dad Summit that was one of my favorites a very random one that always comes to mind and it feels like a sleeper was the episode that you guys did at the owners meetings and you interviewed Andy Reid in one of mm. the segments. And mm. I just remember it being so good and Andy played along so well. So that was great. And then obviously my first show with you guys, like, oh. uh, yeah. And it was like, the listeners were so great. And it was the first time that I wasn't called like a stupid bitch on Twitter. <laughs> and uh, it was just very nice to be supported and I immediately knew that you guys were obviously great but like the listeners were an extension almost of the podcast I love that beautiful beautiful answer um yeah oh my god that is funny that that helicopter landing at the, during the podcast that was it was so chaotic was that yeah. entire episode was just chaos um all right Mark you're up all right uh we will we'll go do a little bit of a football aspect. Way to get question. it started, Connie. That's yeah. Yes. yeah. You got the warmth in the room here. The virtual. You go, I guess this like actually um, maybe maybe this isn't football, but I'm reading it as a, a football scenario. What take were you the most wrong on? And I and this is from Maddie Crocker, and I, I'd say over the course of as long as you've been on this show, um, what is the thing that you just simply got the most strikingly incorrect? I'll go first. Um, Tom Brady's regression in the late 2010s, <laughs> the gradual decline that that turned out to be an incorrect take. Uh, and it would be probably my most high profile incorrect take. So that would be my answer. More recently, though, um, I wasn't alone on this, but uh, me and a lot of other people in January were ready to hand the NFL to Joe Burrow and Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs are like, nah, bro, uh, this is not their time. It's still my time. So those are my answers there. Sorry, Patrick. I didn't mean to offend you or talk my talk, pimp. If you want to talk your shit, talk your shit, pimp. The Colts for me, like last season. I feel like it's still something that haunts me. I was so all in on them. <laughs> I talked nonstop about the Colts. Every single prediction, any time that I could talk about the Colts, I would talk about the Colts. And then I watched the Colts and it was awful. <laughs> Yeah. Mine, mine might have come on my last appearance on the show. We were picking spicy players, and I, I put a sandwich on Jalen Rager catching 40 balls. So we'll see mm. if that is the most wrong. It probably is. Um, yeah, no, no. In fact, let's go ahead and say that's the most wrong, even though why not? Why not have it happen? You can for that for sure. Yeah, you, I, sh I, should being, uh, I should have. You're, you're a pretty smart guy, Patrick, if that is the worst uh, take you've ever had on the show. Jalen Rager. 40 well, catches. I'm, I also don't necessarily have the mental capacity to remember <laughs> all the times I was wrong. Uh, so maybe Why is it. that? I'm not very smart, colleague. No. <laughs> Mark? Uh, so I got a couple quick ones, and I think that, you know, we don't need to go deep into context because they're obvious for the most part. Um, Johnny Manziel, everything to do with Johnny Manziel, I was quite wrong about. Uh, I had some hot takes about Shaq Barrett when he had, like, one big game and said that he was a flash in the pan he went on to like dominate the entire season i heard about it every week uh there was a point a number of years ago when i called the arizona cardinals the most interesting team in the nfc and from that point on they went like one in five and were destroyed in the playoffs by the rams so um incorrect and i, I think everything to do with chip kelly I'll, i'd end there because i was so into the concept mm. of it um writing you know long articles and think pieces and 
uh, believed it was going to revolutionize the NFL, and he was gone like three years later. Remember the smoothies? It was like the first time that like Absolutely. he was doing individualized smoothies. Everything was hurry up. The defense hated him. Like everyone was gassed by week nine. <laughs> Every, everything was sports science. Literally everything. Like it's like the right. way they open the door. It's like this is revolutionizing football. Yeah, t- time of possession does not matter. <laughs> um, Mark, don't forget about every undrafted white running back that's ever succeeded in the preseason. Yeah, I mean, I could have made the list longer. I just, you know. The Zach Zenner All-Stars. We could all make the list longer. Um, all right, I'll go next. Um, this one is Chargers-based, and uh, I thought it was kind of interesting because, uh, you know, it's not something that gets a lot of talk, uh, but it is a conversation piece that bubbles underneath, I think, on Twitter in certain corners. Colton Ketter asked the question, why are the Chargers and Herbert overhyped every year just to miss the playoffs or occasionally be first round one and dones? How many times before this stops? Um, I think my feeling on this is Herbert is a stud. He's a superstar. We just talked about the Superstars Club. So I'm in on Herbert. But I think it is fair um, for people who ask, well, there was almost – in some ways, uh, on the on the Twitterverse, it became a little bit of an echo chamber. Like you better see Justin Herbert as the legend that he is, uh, and view him instantly as this incredible once in a generation star. But then you got to look at what has he done so far, and he's entering, I think, his third year as starter, maybe fourth year. I think this is an important year for Herbert. I think because uh, people will, when the Chargers falter with him behind center, will point to whether it's the head coach or the coordinator or the injuries around the team. And in a lot of cases, that's fair. Um, But I also think if you truly are as great as you hear um, people that are smart about football, talk about Herbert in almost hushed tones, it's time for him to do something, uh, put the team on his back perhaps and make a run deep into the playoffs uh, rather than do what he's been doing, which has been a a, a big producer statistically and his great highlight guy. Um, maybe this is a big year for Herbert because it is a good roster, Patrick. This is a team, and you could you, there are question marks at certain places. Head coach, for me, is one of them. I know they address play caller uh, and have that situation maybe upgraded. But Herbert, get up and go and show us that you really are that special guy. And, and, and all it takes is one, right, to, to silence the, the, the win one. Like yesterday we celebrated John Elway's birthday. Right. And through the benefit of hindsight, it's like, oh, it's John Elway. But he, he didn't always win. Right. These things happen late sometimes and it, it can completely change things. We had Chargers Day yesterday on Total Access. And oh. I'm thinking, yay, we're going to talk about the Chargers. Baldy was excoriating the Chargers. We did like two minutes of horrible tackling video. And he's like, they're never going to win if they can't do this. Like uh, Herbert's not out there uh, missing tackles. Uh, you know, he sure. You can make the case that, yeah, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes aren't going to see the Jags score four consecutive touchdowns and, and come back and win that game. But also, you know, you need you need other guys to make plays. And, and I think I think they'll come through. But we talk about them because they're a team, just like everybody else. And, <laughs> like, don't be mad when we discuss a team that's fun to watch with fun players. Like, sometimes only one only one team gets to win. So, ultimately, that's, I feel like that's why we're going to talk y- about them. I feel like I'd be on Patrick's corner on this one, too, because I think part of the question was more globally about – why are the Chargers always overhyped? And that predates um, Justin Herbert because they've kind of had, outside of a couple years, a solid roster year after year. Like, they're in the mix. And right now, they certainly have one of the better rosters in the AFC. And I'm the Patrick part for me is that 
I can't just bake in and, and assume that the team's going to have terrible, ghoulish luck, like in critical moments year after year. Like, is, is that actually something that a team creates? But then the Chargers keep doing it, so you feel like a double fool when it happens again. Well, especially coming off the game against the Jags, um, that was brutal. But Justin Herbert, he's he'll be healthier. Um, we saw him a couple times kind of hobbling around last season after he took some shots. I remember that one, uh, the Thursday night game that he got put back into. Um, but also, I think I'd be interested to hear what the the Baldy segment was with the offensive line because I thought that they would be better this year um, because they are also healthier. But the receiving core, I think, is deeper too because they drafted Quentin Johnston. So, in theory, Justin Herbert should have a little bit more help. And with Kellen Moore there, maybe it works even better. Make a run. Let's go. Patrick, you're up. All right. This one uh, comes from George O'Donnell. Uh, and I like it because it's weird, because I'm weird. Uh, which team would be top of the NFL if offense had to play defense for a season and the defense had to play offense? Uh, special teams can just say stay put because there's three, and I guess we couldn't do a one-for-one one trade. I would incorporate some special teamers in it, though, and I'm actually – I guess I'll just take it and go first. I'll take the Philadelphia Eagles before Colleen does. Okay. Uh, because, because I would love to see Jalen play linebacker. And as well as we could have Devontae Ooh. at corner. I don't know how much hitting he could do, but he could do it. I, I, I think it would work. And also, like, Lane and some of the guys could, could flip over. I, I think it would make perfect sense. I mean, I would love to see it, but also I would not love to see anyone get hurt doing this. But <laughs> I feel like that is part of the exercise. Um, I think, too, what about – I was thinking maybe the 49ers defense could play offense, especially if Kyle Shanahan is running things because, obviously, he can scheme things up. Um, and th- But then I was thinking about the Cowboys defense and Michael Parsons – he played running back before, and you have Trayvon Diggs, who could easily be a wide receiver. So that would be another interesting switch, too. What if, what if, because this question kind of breaks my brain, so I don't really have a, little bit. a conventional answer, but I, I'll say this. What if, because we're basically naming just good teams right now, what if there's like a really bad team or a team we don't think is going to be That's very true. good? If you just flip them. They became unbelievable. Like all the defensive players on the Panthers right now would be incredible offensive talents and vice versa. Like maybe that's my answer, the Carolina Panthers. I think maybe that's, the Titans. That's where mine mine went too, was no. like maybe a team has done such a poor job of self scouting that they've actually just need to flip the line of scrimmage and off they go. But my first instinct was with Colleen. I thought like if you have to trust your coaching staff to do something that no coaching staff's ever done. Like, I'll roll the dice, and this sounds like a trope for me because I'm always talking about Kyle Shanahan, but, like, he could take a defensive lineman and probably get him to complete 15 <laughs> passes a game. Until the fourth quarter yeah. in, a, in a big spot. That's very fair. Mm. Now, now Colleen. Oh, I'm go ahead. Think, no, I, I'm also kind of thinking about the Browns a little bit because, like, you watch enough Miles Garrett basketball highlights, and you're like, okay, like this is this is silly. It, so have Miles at a tight end, and Nick Chubb could play whatever he wants. Like Patrick, Nick Chubb as like an in the show, box safety. I was literally googling like Miles Garrett, and I was trying to see if he played other positions at any point in his career, like in high school or even like grade school, like going back. Because yes, I could see it too. Something to think about. The superstar club just one deep right now with Kelsey Miles Garrett. As a field stretching uh, tight end, I I, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. Colleen, what you're up? Oh, right. Mailbag, okay. remember? <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this one comes from Christopher W. 
And he says that he used to love spending a boring work day tweeting random songs back and forth with Wes. So how about we, he said, how about me a random song you like? So send me, I think, or tweet me a random song you like. Nothing too heavy, not a favorite, just a good song. And I've been in this like, I've been nonstop listening to music from like the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed. Like I'm sure John hates it, but like he will wake up and there will immediately be tunes on in the house. And I've been going through a little bit of like a dancey phase. Um, so I would like to throw out there High Love by Dim Sum. I think Sessler would really love it too. So check that out. Also Come To Me by Lily and Madeline and Offenbach. That's another good one. Good summer. Good summer tunes. Feel good. They're upbeat. They're good to drive to. And Night Drive by John Splithoff. I got three. Got three for the yeah. price of one. Mm-hmm. Mark, good ones. Coming. Uh, well, I, I'm gonna it made me think Let's make a playlist, by the way, off this. I okay. like this. Well, I don't know <laughs> if you need to put mine on the playlist, but like, um, I was thinking of stuff that, that Wes and I used to listen to. Where we're kind of like, I'm not sure anyone else likes this, like amongst our group, but like... um. We would go to like the Cozy Inn and play like Van Morrison's entire Astral Weeks album, um, probably to the annoyance of some people there, but it was actually very much that that vibe. But the second West song that came into my head, and I don't know where this came from, but like um, "Bend Me, Shape Me," that old uh, like '50s, <laughs> '60s hit, because that's what Wes and I would, you know, say to you guys and sing to each other whenever they'd someone would tr- some lughead would drop in the studio and be like now you've got to do five extra videos that we didn't tell you about and like we we're just like we thought we were getting out of here and just like bend me shape me what you know we're just part of the corporation we'll do whatever you say bend me shape me forgot about that good ones good. Uh, eric uh, eric behind the glass do we, let's let's make sure we're taking these down so we can build out the spotify playlist patrick um the the thing that popped in my head was chicago 25 or 6 to 4 mm. um you know it's it, it always pops up on random, and I enjoy it every time. Um, Evanescence, bring me to life, you know. Oh, flashback shoot. Flashback to the okay. Napster wow. days. Uh, why not? And then, um, oh, my gosh. What could I do? This Play playlist is going to be all over the place. And oh, I that love is it. Um, move, b- <laughs> By Ludacris. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, why not? Um, Good-ass songs. And good question, Christopher. Right now, because I just took the boys to see the new Spider-Man movie, which was all right. Love the just first all right. one. Second one. Hmm. Hmm. Curious what you think, Pat, on that one. Uh, Am I Dreaming by Metro Boomin, Aesop Rocky, and Royce. That's a great song. I've uh, been playing that a lot. Song I Loved Last Year, Western Wind by Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, a random-ass U2 song, Dirty Day off Zuropa, 1993. And then the last song Wes and I vibe to, uh, Texas Sun by Leon Bridges. Oh, so Beautiful good. Song. Such a West song. Texted him as, me, as soon as I heard it, and he was like, yep, yeah, been listening to that one constantly. Uh, those are my entries. And That's Eric, behind the glass, songs. go ahead, add one of your, of your own as well. That would be great. On Let's the move spot. On. <laughs> All right, uh, who's up? Who goes second? Mark. I believe I am. All right. Kyle Overholzer uh, asked this. Hey, ATN crew, longtime fan. First question and first tweet. I am active duty military stationed in Alaska, and I miss being close to the NFL. My fun question is, if there was an Alaskan NFL team, what do you think the mascot would be? I guess what we'd say, what would you call the team? 
This this one felt easy to me. What did you have? Very. I had the um. I don't. I was sitting out on, on my porch when I uh, came up with this, and there was a lot of wild vehicles. But the Alaska Hell Elves. <laughs> Just like something a little the new. Hell Elves. Wouldn't wouldn't the Browns maybe get litigious about that because they got that stupid elf thing? They have like eight mile, They have like eight mascots. They just rebranded the dog, so it's yeah, like Brownie I the they, Elf. Yeah, well, the Hell Elves. Are those I love demons? It. Like, what role do the a, Hell Elves serve? In the, I think it's in the sort hierarchy. of a mythical, mythical being of some sort. Typically, like you, could go, you could do a lot with it. The mascot, not always. Hello, L.A. Lakers. The the mascot or team name is connected to the region in, in some way. Are there? Is there an elves like a demonic elves population somewhere in? Alaska? I didn't. I don't know. I can't give you a firm answer on that, but I think it's just part of the, you're creating a new world, sort of. Yeah, I was thinking, um, because I thought it was a great name and it, it disappeared from a team move and, oil, you know, oil, mass production of oil in, in Alaska, maybe still, I don't know. Seward's Icebox, learned that back in 90. Um, the Oilers, the Alaska Oilers. Mm. Bring it back. Let's go. Let's fly. If it wasn't good enough for Houston, <clears throat> I think it could be good enough uh, for the Alaska franchise. The Edmonton Oilers of the NHL could have an issue with that, but that we don't care about the NHL. It doesn't exist in my world. <laughs> I feel like I have the perfect answer. Go ahead. Mm, okay. It's the Alaskan Arctic Wolves. And yeah, okay, I'm biased because the wolves, but Arctic wolves are incredible. They can fast up to four to five months at a time. They survive sub-zero temperatures with no clothes and they can't dig dens in the ice and they can eat up to 20 pounds of meat in one sitting. So I rest my case. I, I would Arctic only wolves. sign off on that if you were the logo, if you were somehow <laughs> a part I'll of just, the logo itself. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking either um, either like a singular verb, like the frost, or the Aleutians, right? And the and the logo could be the islands or whatever, but maybe the frost. Um, ooh, the Alaskan frost. I like that. Uh, this next question is from Thomas Danielian. Hope I got that right, Tom, Tommy boy. You've done making the leap, but what player or coach do you see going the opposite way? a regression candidate, if you will. Hmm. What would that be anyway? Is it, so we have making the leap. That's kind of our, our IP. Uh, would that be faking the leap? But oh, no, you're moving perfect. back. Are you making the creep? Is it like the- I think the, you're like half baking the leap. Like the creep, like a 1960s like dance move, but you're going backwards? Like Mistaking the, the leap? Like we thought they were going to leap, but they didn't. Mm -hmm. But this is somebody that I guess was- Oh no! It's somebody that you think's gonna do it and then doesn't. Okay. Anyway, It'd be like a fall, like a fall from mm. wherever. All right. Well, um. let me throw out a couple of guys um, because I kind of saw it as somebody that had established a level of production, and now it's gonna go in reverse. This is the second show in a row where I wish Greg was here because Geno Smith, I'm nominating. Uh, he he kind of tailed off a little bit at the end of last season and now uh, with more expectation and a, a bigger paycheck and, you know, in, in Seattle, will Gino be as good as he was last year? Probably, but he could be faking the leap also last year. Throw that out there. What do you guys think? 
I'd agree with that. I think there's a, a case to be made. He's got a really good roster around him. Um, I think that some of the good stuff we saw from Geno Smith were legitimately who he is as a player. So I wouldn't predict um, doom. I'll give you mine real quick because mine's a coach. I kind of, I did see that tweet and I just saw the word coach, but um, it, I think he's a good coach, but Kevin O'Connell, the team goes 13 and four. They won like nine games in the last couple of minutes. Like it's this thing that's never going to happen again um, to the Minnesota Vikings. They've spent the off season, like essentially just trying to reach their cap. They've cut a bunch of people. The defense was already the worst in the league last year. Um, I don't know. I don't see them winning 13 games. I could see them winning nine, and then suddenly it's like, is Kevin O'Connell, is he under a lot of yeah. pressure, hot seat scenario? Is it is it fair to say with the Vikings, though, that most of most of us and even probably a lot of Vikings fans saw through it a little bit, that nobody ever really viewed that team as a powerhouse, and now with these the cost-cutting measures that – there's a general understanding that they're not going to be as good. And maybe that is good news for O'Connell in terms of expectations coming off last year. Maybe Could work for him. Maybe but um, I see what you're if, saying. If, if everyone remains level headed, because if things turn ugly, no one's going to want to factor that in. You're right. I mean, I think if you want to take it to court, you'd have to bring all that stuff up, but we're talking about football fans. We're talking about talking heads. Um, you know, things get ugly quick. Anybody else want to throw a name out there? I, I mean, I immediately, my mind went to the Vikings. You could have multiple people just because of their, their uh, point differential last year, how close all of those wins were. But I'm also just wondering right now in the moment about Jared Goff. Yeah. Would he be potentially someone who could regress with some of the changes that the offense has made in the offseason and the guys that they've drafted? Is their philosophy changing? Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like, because making the leap so much of it is perception and like the player could still be the same player but circumstances could turn out a little bit different and then it's like oh well well they're bad now but it's it's hard to have success like I don't think we can wipe away what Jared Goff did but we also can't like expect him to you know throw 60 touchdowns you know it's just at at a certain point you know like Kevin O'Connell can't apologize for those wins and I think six years from now like those are still going to be wins but if we could properly contextualize them as we should it's like well they got they got undressed in a playoff game at home by mm-hmm. a team that wasn't very good i'll throw one more out there josh jacobs and that's part of the reason why he wasn't put in the superstar for club mm-hmm. for me I, coming off a 400 touch season on a raiders team that's i don't know i think they'll have worse quarterback play um and you know a very competitive division you know, there's, there is a track record of the bill come and do when a player gets that level of workload, how he, how he is the next season. Fantasy heads, I would think, should be a little bit wary as well. Patrick, I don't know. What is the general vibe in the fantasy realm about Josh Jacobs? Is it all systems go that he's going to be the same guy? Or, like, no, what's the I, vibe? I, I think people want to see something from the Raiders. They, they want to see, like, what's Jimmy going to be like? What's this offense going to be like? Um, you know, how's Josh going to hold up? I, I'm not thinking everybody's going to fly out there and have this reclamation like the people who are acknowledging their mistake with McCaffrey last year. It's like you, you take the good players that are going to be in good situations. We just don't know what Josh's situation is right now. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go try to be a little quicker. Connie, yeah. you're up. All right. I kind of want to put a sandwich on Josh Jacobs with you, Dan, but Ooh, we'll do okay. that. Maybe, Save maybe that for uh, uh, September. Okay, perfect. All right. We'll so... both forget. It's fine. 
You know we will. There's no question. All right. Last question is, okay, this is from Daniel Hall, and he said, which division is most likely to be the 2022 AFC West? So high expectations coming in and then ends up being mostly Paper Tigers. And then which division is most likely to be the 2022 NFC East? Low expectations coming in ends up being deep and formidable. This question Dan, as you mentioned earlier, breaking brains. This one broke my brain a bit, but I kept going back and forth with, is the AFC South going to be better than people think with what they have done? Obviously, the Jags, I I think that they will win the division again, and now they have Calvin Ridley, um, and you get more consistency and growth from Trevor Lawrence and then with the Colts I don't know I mean maybe Shane Steichen can work some magic with um, Anthony Richardson and his past with mobile quarterbacks and developing them in offenses plus you have the Texans who drafted a ton of talent and brought in I really like the Dalton Schultz edition Damian Pierce he's a star there and D'Amico could actually turn around the defense with they have some good, good players there. Drafted Will Anderson, Derek Stingley Jr., so they have good pieces. I'm just wondering, like, the Titans, I think they're going to struggle. Mm. Um, and I don't know when we'll see Will Levis. But I, I just – I think that they might be better than we think. That's interesting, the AFC South. that Two rookie quarterbacks, it's a lot of variance there. Could be three um, different new quarterbacks, yeah. Yeah, three different quarterbacks. I, I'll nominate the NFC North, actually, Sorry. as could be better. Um, the Vikings, I think everyone is universally saying they're going to come way down to earth, but they still have a core of players. Justin Jefferson's on that team still. Kirk Cousins, I know opinions vary, but I don't think that offense is going to crater. I think Madison will keep the running game moving, and then Brian Flores is running the defense, so that could maybe help some things, even though he doesn't have a lot of talent to work with. Uh, the Lions, I think we all feel like there is a positive outcome there, potentially, as a double-digit win team. The Packers, same thing. If Jordan Love plays well, he has some players around him and um, a winning pedigree for that organization. And then the Bears, like Justin Fields, potential making the leap guy. The roster's way better. Um, that could go a couple different directions, but they could certainly be much more competitive. I think the other side of it, Mark, is the a kind of an easy one for me. I think everyone is looking at the AFC East and saying, oh, yeah, like everyone's hyping up. Like whenever you're a division that's being hyped up includes the Jets and Dolphins as two teams <laughs> people are assuming are going to be good, like it's probably not going to happen. Not both those teams are going to be big-time teams, and maybe neither are, but you have Jets, Dolphins, Bills, Pats, um, everyone says it's the best division, but these things don't tend to work out that way. Well, I think because we're talking about like last year's AFC West, where it was like, can, can four teams make the playoffs? Two of them were absolute disasters. The problem is you're playing each other. Um, yeah. The Jets' schedule is so brutal. You're asking the mm -hmm. Jets also as an organization to do something they've never really done. The Dolphins are new at this also right now. Um, I trust the Dolphins a little bit more. The Bills come down to earth a little bit. The Patriots, to me, are sort of middle of the road. I could see a team winning the division with nine wins if they all, like in a dogfight, eat each other up. Yeah, there was, there was so much player movement and so much like high-profile player movement last year and so much hype for the entire division that I don't think it's, I think it's going to be a few years where we see that much hype for a division anymore. I, th I think everybody's kind of taken their medicine. And so mm -hmm. like, that, was, that feels like a, a perfect storm, but I'm, I'm with you on the East, Dan. It, it, it could go either way. Um, okay, who's up next? I'll, I'll take the most predictable one uh, ever. Sure. 
Yeah, this this comes courtesy of Johnny Ridd. Uh, when will Patrick <laughs> admit that his take that <laughs> momentum doesn't exist is complete garbage? Uh, <laughs> the easy answer to Johnny uh, is never. I, I feel like honestly, like we could come to a to a, a stasis here and and acknowledge right that. For some people, maybe positive things does beget more positive things, yeah. uh, but but it's it's always been my contention that we don't know that. Uh, we don't know what players are going through. We don't know how they feel about themselves. Some of the greatest punt returners of all time, you know, you ask them what they're doing when the ball's coming, they're like, I'm scared to death. I don't want to get hit. And, and they ultimately end up scoring touchdowns. It's like people are individuals, people are different, and we don't necessarily have all the data. So I just think no matter how good you are, no matter how positive you're thinking, if you're lined up across from Devontae Adams, like the power of positive thought ain't going to keep you from him busting your ass. And so, like, that's that's just my belief. But maybe we could find a happy happy medium. I'm sorry to anybody's <laughs> personal belief system that I've offended, uh, but these guys are professionals and positive thought. And Patrick, you've also, you branded, you've, you're, this is part of your right. like, Patrick experience. Like, you even if even in a private moment, if you come to, a different um, fork in the road here and realize that you don't even agree with your own take. You just can never, you got to never surrender. Yeah. No, but the brand would, if somebody comes out and defines what it is and like shows me how it works, then clearly that's true for momentum, astrology, um, you know, holistic health practices. Like just show me and I'm there. But I know that the air goes under the ring faster than it goes over the wing and that generates lift. I can't build an airplane, but I can conceptually see how it works. And so I'm okay with getting on one. But when you tell me that like this energy that binds the galaxy together is moving things and, and then this team wins because God likes them more or something, I don't know. I'm just I just need to see some God. Proof. Whatever. The power Bring God of into positive this. vibrations. Come on in, Patrick. It's great over here. The water's so nice. Try it out. Thank you, Aaron. I Colleen totally is, believe in momentum. Colleen is I feel like I'm 50 to 80%, really high. I can guarantee you. Uh, when you know, she's I can't. Always, she's always going off on riffs like this. I can't get. Uh, yeah, this one. We we don't have enough time to no, to don't. really do this. But I will say that um, the Jalen Rager uh, answer from earlier felt like a placeholder for you to formally apologize to people about momentum. No, uh, I, but you're not doing it, and I respect you're digging in the me. heels. Show me what it is. Like somebody explain it to me so that I can understand. See, student, you know, just a bachelor. Some things are just abstract. Perfect. Um, up next is I lost like the order. What were we doing? Was Connie? No one really knows. I think is, it's Colleen now. Okay, Wait, no, I just, no, no. Didn't I Colleen's just all out. She's emptied the clip. I'm done. Oh, Mark, did you? Mark, throw one out there. Okay, hold on. Let me just uh, scroll down. Um, Mark already exed out of all of his applications. No, and he's about Look, to we've lost momentum for the segment because I, did I, I didn't have it in order. It's a thing. How about this one? Um, there is always a team that goes from worst to first. Who does everyone think it will be this year? Um, the Jets came to mind. Uh, the Falcons came to mind for me. Let's see. Let me give you the options, okay? Jets, Bears. Browns, Texans, Broncos, Commanders, <coughs> Bears, Falcons, Cardinals. Um, taking my fan leaning out of it, I'll stay out of the AFC East, and I will say the Chicago Bears. Ah. Got me. Sniped. Sorry. No, it's all good. That's momentum revenge. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I will be incapable of getting bears. you from here on out. <laughs> Anybody else want to throw it out there? Bears or Falcons, maybe? 
I could see Mark it. can't say it, but he thinks the Browns, and I think that's a good answer also. I don't think so. I could see them coming in second, but I, I don't. I don't think they've got the DNA to win the. If division. you could see them coming in second, how could you not see any scenario where they come in first? What if they come in second by three games? <laughs> you know what? I'll say the Jets because Dan feels like he can't say it, so I'll say the Jets. Yeah, I I just think you know the the Jets are a tough ask because I think the Bills will remain a, you know, a Titan. Unless they come down, and then it does get really interesting. There we go. I, I do mark. I like Mark's take that the nine wins wins the AFC East would be wild. That would be chaos mm. for that division. Interesting. Bills fans don't want to hear that. Um, all right, I'll throw out one more. Let's see. What do I want to go with? Let's see. Well, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, oh yeah, I wanted to touch on this. I thought this was interesting. This is uh, talking about a little. Um, how do you make the game better? How do you help these officials? You know, uh, here's the question. Why do you think <clears throat> the question is from faux real, so faux, so real. Why do you think the NFL is fighting rule changes that could help the league like Sky Judge or making every play and every penalty reviewable? I think uh, it's mostly rooted, uh, guys, in pace of play. And I was just I was thinking about this. NBA games are about two and a half hours, typically. Um Major League Baseball, shout out to Miguel Herman, by the way. Perfect game. Wow. What um, a game. Yeah. Radically reinvented elements of their gameplay this season, MLB, and shaved like 30 minutes off game time. So they're coming in at a 235 now for a game. The average NFL game was three hours and 12 minutes last season. That's kind of been creeping upward through the years. And there's a 12-minute halftime. That's not going to change. There are around – I looked this up. There are around 15 to 25 commercials per quarter – uh, that adds up to about 100 commercials per game. And I'm going to tell you something as somebody who works for the NFL, but uh, that's not changing either. Commercials will remain very prominent in a telecast mm -hmm. of a game. Uh, but I think the NFL might be a little spooked with how the viewing habits of youth culture are, uh, adding elements that will slow down um, the game to stop and check every play is something they don't want to do. And I wouldn't want them to do either. But maybe there's a there's a medium here, um, Patrick, where you can add something like Sky Judge without it being something that grinds the momentum of the game to a halt. Yeah, I think the, the momentum of the decision makers is a reluctance to change. Uh, we see that in so many aspects. We saw it when pass interference was reviewable and they kind of hamstrung the process. They didn't necessarily want to actually commit to it. Um, because there's there's ways we could speed up the process, right? It, we don't need necessarily the dog and pony show of having the official go out to a thing, look into the hood, and walk it back out. Somebody could just look at it and say, right, the pass was incomplete. Like, it, it shouldn't take 45 seconds because these things are called in real time, so they should be able to be re reviewed in real time. But they seem to be reluctant to take that process away because they want to show it to people for some reason. I don't, I don't need to see it. Show me the replay. Say it was incomplete. That's it. I think that's where they could do it. Mm-hmm. All right, Mark, uh, give me one more. All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, I gave you all mine, to be honest. No, how about this, this one, Lee West this one? This good, though. This is a Lee West banger. I've given you everything right, I can Mark, give you. All right, Mark, it's on the screen, <laughs> staring at you. Just read the you. screen. Lee West, if you broke your leg and had to spend oh. a couple of months bed-bound, what would you do while you're in your bed? <laughs> E.g. board games, TV gaming, TV gaming, or anything else. And first thing you would do when you could walk again. 
Um, okay, my bad. I do realize that I had tacked that in my um, worksheet here. So apologies for slowing down the show. Um, I think what I would do is like at the first, at the start of that experience when I just realized I'm going to be in this bed for like two months, like I'm going to do something really like life changing, like write a book or do, you know, create something that I finally had that space. What I would wind up doing is probably like a bunch of edibles and playing like old Nintendo games that I couldn't beat as a kid and beat them as, as an adult. <laughs> 420, bro. that journey for you. <laughs> we are on, we're on the, we're on a similar path. I, I gave this some thought and I was like, I would finish uh, Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. I would learn how to play the acoustic guitar. Um, but in reality, I would probably just um, like gain like 200 pounds and play a load of MLB <laughs> The Show 23 on my son's Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I prepared for the show by writing my notes down on actual note cards for some reason Very today. nice. And on my list here, the number one thing is write a script. The number two is guitar. <laughs> and I was also wondering, like, how much mobility do I have? Would the, would the guitar be a thing that I could do if I was bed bound? I think so. Um, I think I it's a also... broken leg, right? Is that the injury? Yeah, yeah right. You so you could, guitar. like, prop it up yeah, sure. on, like, a, you know, a pillow or whatever. Your husband, too. Yeah, prop it up on John. That's all. Uh, I would take some online classes. I would learn how to uh, do finances since I have no idea how to do anything with finances. I would invest. Um, and I would take a stand-up class, which is ironic. <laughs> <laughs> well I, done. I, I would contact. I remember a couple of years ago when Will Fuller had that great start and then he popped positive for a PED. And he, you kind of haven't seen him since. I would get it in was touch. With, seen again. Yeah. I would get in touch with Will Fuller and take whatever he was taking to get out of that bed as soon as possible. I, <laughs> it would be like a training montage. I, I don't know, like the gripping exercises. I just, I, I have, I've always had problems sitting still. You guys know that through <laughs> working with me, and so it would be a real struggle. I, I'd have to get out of there, and then play with my kids. Of course, would be the That'd first be thing tough. I did. I don't know if you'll be able to find Will Fuller. That man. He gone. That man is gone. He gone. Whatever he was taking, give it to me. Whatever. Um, good stuff. Closing up the mailbag. I told you, they really stepped up this time. Yeah. So good many job, questions. Guys. And a lot of really good ones. I think one thing, what, a, a clerical note for us, because sometimes we decide to do a mailbag like day of show. And so it's just sitting out there for, you know, 98 minutes. But we gave them a full... Um, earth cycle a full day plus to come up with stuff and i think it reached other parts of the world and uh the results are better mm, i've given them more runway in the past than they've been <laughs> i'm trying to give them wow. even an ounce yeah. of credit i'm just <laughs> saying this let's focus on the positive that they they succeeded here okay and we hope we mm -hmm. gave answers that were <clears throat> entertaining to the point where the podcast hasn't been shut off by now thank you to uh patrick you've said it all um you know Good luck in that studio, wherever you are. Um, and like Pat, uh, like the Russell Wilson full-sized uh, or like gigantic-sized photo tells us to strive for every day in that office. Have some serious integrity over there, bro. I will. And you'll get that picture here in two minutes. <laughs> All right. We'll be back uh, on Monday. We're doing a Monday show, uh, me and Greggy. Um, so uh, please tune in for that. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, enjoy uh, the, your holiday. Even, you know, I don't care. Like if you're drinking Bud Light, if you're drinking eight, if you're drinking uh, water, 
be safe as you do it. Enjoy the holiday with your family here in the States and, uh, and friends. And we'll, we'll see you on the other side of the weekend. Well, July 4th on Tuesday, so that was premature. But anyway, who cares? Until Monday, you know what you got to do. Heed the call. This is NFL Network's Andrew Siciliano. You have reached the Around the NFL listener feedback service. Please leave a message after the tone. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.